We are continuing our series, Hello, Reconnecting in a Disconnected World. Really stepping into how do we reconnect in our marriages? How do we reconnect in our uh, peer-to-peer relationships? How do we reconnect maybe with our children? How do we connect better at work? How, how does this relationship thing work better? Because no one is doing it perfectly, right? The best marriages still have problems. The best work environment still has your tense days. Every, the best parent still has kids and you just kind of go, what, 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 that was a good idea? How? Why? Right? We, we all have these issues. Or if you're me as a parent, you go, ah, oh, I really could have done that better. Right? You don't have to shake your head at that. But that's, that's where I live. Like, oh, I could have, done, I could have been better at that. Um, and so we're really kind of stepping into that for this, this series in the month of February um, reconnecting in a disconnected world. Last week, we talked about how we are better together. And this week, we're going to talk about how to make changes in our lives, real substantive changes. It's real easy to decide to choose, oh, or we identify problems. Well, they drive me crazy when they do, or I drive myself crazy when I do, or I wish I wouldn't do this anymore, whatever that is. But the taking the step, the actual turning, the actual movement of saying, this is going to be different now. And we hear it all the time from the world. We hear it all the time from TV and uh, different things. People don't change. Well, they don't, but they can. There actually is hope. You can change. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, this is one of the big things. Jesus enters your life and allows you and gives you the hope and the courage and the power to change your way. That is what redemption actually is, to move, to turn away from, to change your aiming point. That is what redemption is. And we've been told this lie and we've bought into this lie that I can't change, that they can't change. Yes, you can. There's a lot of qualifiers on it, but there you can actually change. You ask Kelly, am I the same man that she started dating 17 years ago? No, we wouldn't be married if I was still the same man that that I was 17 years ago. Is she the same woman that she was 17 years ago? No, you wouldn't have recognized that girl at all. It's funny just to even think about it, but you wouldn't, you would know. We, you can change, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit working inside you to do it. You can't do it by yourself. But how do we do that? Because there's all kinds of things, I think, in our lives that we go, man, that's so deep-rooted. That is who I am, and it drives me crazy. It's usually when you open your mouth and your father comes out. Right? You do something, and your mom just goes, Bleh, and you're like, where did she come from? I don't even live near her. Like, what happened? And it's like, ah, oh, i got to change that. Maybe it's something that, that you know where it comes from, and you know where that anger comes from. You know where that habit comes from. You know why you step into that. And you just, ah, oh, I don't like that. I don't want to be there anymore. And then the guilt comes and all these other emotions that just kind of trap you back into that spot. The thought for today, the, the kind of thing that was really, I was wrapping my, trying to wrap my head around is no one is where they can be. No one is where they can be. It doesn't matter if you got, you know, 
Mother Teresa was, was still always trying to press on towards a different goal, always trying to get better, always trying to move her life to be a different place. You know, any of the saints of the faith are still trying to change that. Paul says it like this in Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We are always pressing on towards the goal to do better, to get closer to God. We're not fully arrived until we get to heaven, but there's always something, even in the most godly and holy of us, that we can continue to change. Is it, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Yvonne tells me this experience with uh, the first time she went over to, to Pastor Eric's house. She's a lot, yeah, she was just uh, new to the church and she, she just went over there. And Pastor Eric was always uh, in a suit and tie. And, and that's how she knew him. That's, he apparently slept in the suit and tie. And she went over to his house and he's wearing a sweatshirt and blue jeans and it broke her because she's like, you, you can't, you can't, you gotta be wearing a suit and tie. Like the, the, the thing didn't come, even the best of us have stuff that's it was just a little bit different, a little bit off than, than how that, that works. And all of us have that, no matter who, who you think it is. In our Facebook promo this week, I said this is a guilt free way of talking about change. Because I don't have to convince you that you've got stupid stuff in your life. That probably is a pretty easy sale, right? You've got junk in your life. What are we going to do about it? I want to talk about how we deal with that. Because this is what stuff and sin does in our lives. It becomes part of your identity. And then you feel increasingly hopeless. And then... You become defensive about it. And then you become a slave to it. And then you begin to lose your life. It is a spiral that sucks us deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And some of us have seen it in our children. Some of us have seen it in ourselves. Some of us have seen it in our spouses or our fathers or our mothers. We've seen this spiral. Like it just started out as something they did and then became who they were. And then they were just entrapped by it. And today is breaking out of that spiral. First step in this, we're going to give you some really practical ways to do that. But how uh, I think this goes with anything, even at work, it goes with our family, it goes with our parenting, it goes with all of it, is evaluate often, change what is needed. Evaluate often, change what is needed. This week at the church, I spent three days working on spreadsheets. If you know me, that is not my most fun day at work, right? I like to create things, to make things, to see things, you know, let's design something. So I made a spreadsheet with pictures, you know, but that's that's how I had to do it. Uh, But I made spreadsheets. Why? Because I was evaluating everything in the church for the last three and a half years, evaluate all the numbers week to week, every little minutia around the church. We're putting on a spreadsheet and figuring it out because I want to know what's going on, what's, what's happening so we can properly what? Evaluate it and then make the necessary changes. We do this in our own lives. Maybe this is what your journaling looks like. Maybe this is what uh, your prayer time kind of looks like. It's that we, we put forward all the stuff in our lives, the stuff that we have and what we're trying to to process and work through, but we just evaluate it. We say, yep, there's the problem. The second part's the tricky part, right? Change as needed. 
And so how do we do that? i got four steps for you today. And we're going to press in two. Um, before we get there, Ed, I get hope that in the Scripture, the giants of the faith still deal with this issue of I have to change. In Romans 7, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, one of the, actually the most confusing Scriptures to read quickly, because it, it, it reads, Paul writes Romans 7, like it feels like he was writing Romans and he took a page out of his diary and, pl- and, and you know cut and pasted it into this letter and then shipped it out. Romans seven is all about Paul struggling with himself and about his sinful desires and not wanting to give in to them. It's just this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so here's just a snippet of it, but it's a whole chapter of the same verbiage. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Right? None of you can identify with that, right? I don't I do I don't I don't do it and it just goes back and forth. If you want to read it in the message uh, paraphrase version, it's really fun. Because you you're like, "Oh, this is totally me going back and forth like, "Where do I do that?" You know, the time you lose your temper with your kids. And you're like, "I don't want to lose my temper with the kids. I'm trying to be better than that." And you like you beat yourself up for it. This is like Paul beating himself up for just, you know, yelling at someone or doing something. It's the same thing. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Well, I don't want to do that anymore. But if Paul, a writer of a third of the New Testament, struggles with the same thing, I think we have someone we can identify with, right? And so we're going to go from there uh, today. First thing that we can do is we got to get rid of excuses. Get rid of of excuses. This is the part with your brain. Get rid of excuses. We've identified, we've evaluated, we said, you know what, I have this stuff in my life, but it's going to be really hard to get rid of it. But it might cost me my job. But it's going to be real tense around here for a while. But we have all these excuses. You can come up with better excuses than I can for your own issues. You've been doing it for years. Right? Get Rid of excuses. You got to choose to do this. Luke 14 and 18, uh, 18 20 says this, but they all like, Jesus has asked them to follow him, but, but they all like began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I got to go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way home to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Still an excuse. Excuses. Excuses. Get rid of them. I can't because of this. I can't because she'll do this. I can't because he. I have little ones, and I can't. I'll get fired. Some of our excuses sound really, really good, except at the end of the day, we're trying to change who we are. No one is where they can be. The second thing is make a break. Make a break. Some of us need to break up with things. With people, with objects, with hobbies, with sports teams. If you're a Cubs fan, just... just Probably more like a Bears fan. Cubs, Cubs, you got you got a future ahead of you. Um, make a break. 
My goal when I ever gave a relationship talk in student ministry was that I wanted to see couples break up. I knew it was a good time if people were crying afterwards because they broke up. Because it's like, it's like, that is a bad relationship. That's a bad relationship. That's a good one. I hope they don't break up. Those are the ones that always broke up, but that's okay. But good, you, know, you guys are mistreating each other. You're, this is just bad. This is just unhealthy. Break up. I'd give all the, you know, the, the theological reasons for this, the, 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 all the good, good reasons for this. And so we were always evaluating our relationship talks with how many couples could we get to break up from it. I'm not trying to break up any marriages today. I promise you that. But that is what, uh, it, it, no, it was getting to the heart of the matter when you said, okay, we need to change this behavior. I know this relationship isn't good for me. Make a break. Some of you need to break up with your computers. Some of you need to go back to a flip phone instead of having a smartphone in your pocket. <laughs> I just, no elbow pointing. This is a no elbow zone. Okay, no elbow zone. Uh, so, but we need to make these things. You need to buy a filter. You need to have a program on your computer that sends, sends you five of your buddies every website you've been to. You need to do this. You need to make serious breaks. Because these decisions are just sucking the life out of you. If you want substantive change, it takes substantive action to get the change that you want. Make a break. I saw something this week. It really stuck with me. It was a picture of a kid on a monkey bars. And it said, if you want to move forward, you have to let go of the past. I was like, ooh, that'll work right there. Because I don't know about you, I have two little kids, and when they first start with the monkey bars, you know, they get halfway through, and then the arms get tired. And as they get more tired, they just grip on. And if you're like Kendall, you start to cry, because you don't know what to do, and it's performance anxiety, she's going to have that for the rest of her life, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so she just, she's just got it, oh, I can't go any farther again. And then the, the whole, like the body swings back and forth, which is just going to make her more tired, but you can't. You need to go forward. Go forward. Go forward. You can't do it. Right? You got to let go so you can move forward. And there's things in your life today that you are acting like a six-year-old on. I can't do it. You've got to let go to move forward. Make a break. I don't know what that is for you. It can be addictions, it can be relationships, it can be stuff. I don't know what it is for you, but you need to make a break. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 6, 14 to 17 says this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what you do what do righteousness and wickedness have in common. Now this has been often used for relationships and I'm going to use it for relationships in just a second. But it this goes with just you could call it secularism, you could call it world stuff, you could call it just stuff. Whatever definition helps you. But when we are marrying ourselves to a something of this world, we're not going to get the results in our life that we want. We're not going to have the life that we kind of, that we want. This goes, you can get really, I'm not trying to be legalistic about it. It's just the truth. When we have married ourselves to secular music, 
and we keep on putting the trash in our minds. And I don't care if that's, you know, Van Halen or Beyonce, it's all trash. Either one of them is trash. Okay. Some of you are like, what, don't you make fun of my Van Halen here? Uh, but we, it's real easy to be like, oh, this generation's music's terrible. Your generation's music was terrible too. So don't deal with it. It's all, it's just, we marry ourselves with it. And then the, that, that stuff starts to percolate in our mind. It starts to form who, what we're reading starts to, to get in our heads and starts to, starts to, to shift us. When we yoke ourselves with stuff of the world. What a yoke is, is basically it's a way of, of teaming together two oxen to get work done, to move forward, to be more productive. But when you team an unhealthy or a healthy oxen together, or you team together an oxen that wants to go this way and an oxen that's supposed to go this way, you're going to have an issue. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to make changes, but that thing, that person is holding me back. It always feels like it's a tug of war on every decision I try to make. Why? Because we are yoked. We are connected with what is right with, not, with wickedness instead of righteousness. What fellowship can light have with dark? They don't work well together. Now, I'm not this. Don't please don't hear. If you are married to someone who does not believe, I'm not telling you to get a divorce. Okay, don't. This is not an excuse time. This is not what it's talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know how hard this is, how much tension there can be in the way you're living your life. If you are dating and you're yoked to someone who's an unbeliever, I am telling you, you probably need to look at that relationship and reevaluate where it's going. Because how does that work? We're pulling against each And there's all kinds of tension for years to come. There will always be tension there in a place that should be giving you life. Third thing you can do. After you've... After you've <clears throat> You got rid of excuses. You decided with your brain, this is what I'm going to do. I don't care that there's a lot of good excuses out there. I'm moving forward. In my office, I have a saying written on the whiteboard. Don't focus on why we can't, but why we must. Don't focus on why we can't, but why we must. There's a lot of excuses I can come up with. Our frontage on the 59 is terrible. Our building's too small. It looks old. You know, I, get, I got all kinds of different excuses that I, that I could come up with for just even our ministries here. Don't focus on why we can't, but why we must. We have to be the kingdom of God in Shorewood. In Shorewood. We have to be the hands and feet here. Why? Because we are called, divinely called for it. And if we don't step up, who will? Focus on the must. We have decided no more excuses. How do we get there? Now we make changes. We say, okay, I'm going to start taking the steps. I'm going to start making the changes. Well, when you start removing things from your life, you start carving away things that have been addictions in your life, whether that is your common addictions like alcoholism or drugs or pornography or whatever it is, or it is TV watching, it is sports, it is whatever the things that we, oh, well, that's not an addiction. Yeah, it is an addiction. As we start carving that away, we are left with a void. The problem with a vacuum is it will be filled. And often we get rid of one thing in our life just to fill it back up with something else. How we fill the void is paramount to how we make the changes 
in our lives. Fill the void. The first and the best, and it has to start here, is fill the void with Jesus. Fill the void with Jesus. Give your life to Christ. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine. Do not keep on giving in to the old things. Do not keep on giving in to the ways of the world. Do not keep on giving in to that, but instead, fill yourself with God. Start a new way of living. Be filled with with the Spirit. Trying to make changes in your life without Jesus being Lord of your life is like running, running a marathon in stilettos or work boots. You can try. You can do it. But it's not the easiest thing in the world, right? It's hard enough to run a marathon. With Jesus, right? It's, it's hard enough in the, in, the, the, uh, in the right shoes and attire. I'm telling you one thing, it ain't happening for this guy. You've got people in this room that have run a marathon. You ask them if they're going to do it again. They're like, that's not for me anymore. I realize that. Now, what would it have been like if you were running a marathon in those stiletto heels, right? Your, finger, your toenails fall off anyway when you have perfect shoes on. What are they going to do if you had stilettos? What are they going to do if you had steel-toed boots? Can you imagine? That's what like making changes in our lives are. But we're just setting ourselves up. We're making ourselves it's so much harder by the way in which we go about it. With Christ in our life, we're, we're filling the void and setting ourselves up for success. When I was a swimmer, when, uh, during Christmas time, we could have, we did two a days a lot harder because we didn't have school, so we could we could train a lot harder and we didn't have to think. <clears throat> and so, coach would make us wear pantyhose as we swam. There's the funny thing about swimming in pantyhose is they fill up like balloons, and it's all this resistance. Can I still swim? Yes. Do I feel like I'm drowning the whole time? Yes. But the feeling when that was removed. And you put on your real suit. And you jumped in the water. It felt like you were flying in the water. And that's the difference of when we, we fully commit to a life of God. It's we, we start to remove all this resistance. We remove all the junk. We remove the stuff that's been holding us back. Make the change and we can fly and be the person God has called us to be. Second way you can fill the void is get in a life group. Get in a life group. A life group's purpose is to do life with you, to help you on this road. If you're trying to make changes in your life and become the person that God is calling you to do, you need help in doing so. That is what a life group's for. We are in our second week of life groups, so it is not too late to join one. Last week's all about the introduction. Hi, my name is... And the guys talked about what our favorite cookie is because that's, it was a big moment of contention right there. Uh, we had some very differing and powerful opinions. Um, but how, how, do, how do we set all that up? So there's plenty of time for you guys to, to join life groups still. But get in a life group and actually do life. Ecclesiastes 4.8 is kind of a, a verse for this whole series. 
And this applies to our life groups as well. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no one, no end to his toil. Two are better than one because they have good return on their labor. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. This is what life groups are for. Making changes in your life. Like I just said, it's like running a marathon. It's hard to do by yourself. It's hard to do in community. But life groups allow the shoulders to go, come on, you can do it. Come on. Fill the void. Third thing on how to fill the void is find purpose for your life. Find purpose for your life. This, uh, the second life group is, uh, is incredibly important. Finding purpose in our life is incredibly important. When we're aimlessly walking around and not, don't have a, a laser focus for our lives, it's really, really easy to get distracted. It's really, really easy to get off the mark. It's really because there's no mark you're aiming at, Right? If you have, give a five-year-old a bow and arrow and tell him to go out in the backyard and shoot the arrow, you're not going to like the results, right? You take a five-year-old out in the backyard, you give him a target and instruction on how to do it, you're going to like the results a whole lot more. Neighborhood cats will be a lot safer, right? Find purpose in your life. I think one of the major ways, and, and the scripture says this, but my life, in Acts 20, 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So you want to know what your purpose in life is? Acts twenty twenty four, Finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That is your purpose in life. It may look different for all of us. Some of us are assigned to be teachers, and some of us are assigned to be, some of us are assigned all different kinds of roles. But your purpose is telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I tell you what, if you uh, are around someone who has invited someone else to church and they come and they start a relationship with God, you just ask them about their purpose. You ask them about how they feel about that. You can tell they walk a little higher than everybody else, right? The feeling of that, the, the excitement of that, the knowing that I had a part to play in someone else coming to know Jesus. And wherever you're at in the day, wherever you're doing in the day, this can be part of your purpose. No matter where you work, no matter what your job is, no matter how weird your family life is, this can be part of your purpose. How do you do that? We've got all kinds of invite cards out in the back. Oh, actually, we have, don't have all kinds. We have a bunch of one kind of uh, invite cards uh, in the on the stand next to the coffee, uh, coffee bar with uh, the gift bags on them is these invite cards. We've had them for a long time. There's, you, know, you can't take too many. We have 5,000 in the office. Uh, we got a deal for buying in bulk. All right, So you can take as many as you want. You don't have to. You can pray for five people like I have intentional names to give these cards to. You can just start passing them out everywhere. You can just place them on your desk at work. You can... Uh, give them out. If you're a student, give them out in the lunchroom before class begins. You keep a, f- a few in your, I keep business cards next to my wallet. Um, I'm trying not to put my wallet in my, in my back pocket because it throws my back out of alignment. So I'm always putting it in my coat pocket now. 
So I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm at Mariano's getting a salad. Who's this business card going to? It's got a map on the back, right? Same as the, invi- the invitation card. Ask if you can stack out a, a bunch in a business that you frequent. There should, there should, as much as Kevin and I and Jimmy go to RQ, there should be a stack about this big of invitation cards at RQ. Right? And Burrito Rico and a few other esta- local establishments. Because um, that, that's just where we're at. Those are our spheres of influence. What are your spheres? How do you engage in that? Because, listen, your purpose is telling others about the good news and the wonderful grace of God. And finally, the last, uh, the last point of making a change, the last practical step is this. Live your life for the good of others. Live your life for the good of others. If you want to make the changes in your life, you've got to get rid of excuses. You've got to make a break. You've got to fill the void and you have to live your life for the good of others. Living your life, changing the way and the orientation of your life lets all the rest of that start to happen. Because probably we live our lives for ourselves and for our own betterment and for our own stuff. But when we start expanding that and living our life for the good of others, things can change because the bare minimum changed. The starting point changed. Who we are has changed. If we truly give our life to Christ, if we we reset the, the, the beginning of that, living our life for the good of others come, flows out of that. It becomes who we are instead of just a, a thing that we should do. Does this make sense? Live your life for the good of others. First Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he's got to receive to serve others. You should use whatever you have, whatever God's given you to serve others. Today is a day in which we can make substantive changes. It's a decision day to say, you know what? I want my marriage to be better. I want my parenting to be better. I want to be a better employee or employer. I want this to be better starting today. It's really easy to mark that on the calendar. It was Valentine's Day, 2016. We're changing. We're changing today. Some of you, for that means today that you're going to give your life to Jesus and say, God, I'm tired of trying to do this all by myself. I need help. I do feel like I've been running in mud this whole time. God, will you set me free? If I've been talking to you this morning and and to your heart this morning, I'd, I'd love for you to follow me in a prayer. Everybody just close your eyes and bow your heads tonight now. But if you know you need to be set free this morning, if you need to to run free this morning, if you need to be bought and given a new life today, would you just raise your hand right now? God, for those of these people who have raised their hands, Lord, I ask you to, to set them free. Set them on a new path. Set them on a new journey. For all of us in this room, that you would make today a day in which we have new life. And we move in you. God, will you be Lord of our lives? Will you forgive us of our sins? Will you give us the strength to make the changes that are needed? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.